0: Two, one, and we are back again. This is the Stoned Apes podcast, and it is the three motherfuckers and the captain coming to you from the rectory at the St. James Church in Catawissa. And we are here today with Father Mark. How are you doing today, Father Mark? I'm doing great. How about you? Oh, we're excited to have you on the podcast. This is going to be a different experience for us. Now, we just called you Father Mark. Are you an actual father?
1: Uh, No, not physically, spiritually.
0: Spiritually, okay. Okay, so what is your licensing then? As far as? As far as the church.
1: um, As far as what I can do or? Or What's your like position? Oh, I'm sorry, a pastor. You're a pastor. Yeah, I have a pastor at three parishes, St. Mary's, St. James, and St. Patrick's. Okay,
0: wow. How long have you been a pastor?
1: Uh, Here, 20 years. Wow. But I've been a priest for 43 Wow. Okay.
0: Wow, 43 years now. At some point did you transfer? I'm I'm assuming. So, I guess maybe I need to clarify. Are you a Catholic priest today? Yes. yes. Today. Okay. So, you've never left like Catholicism per se. No. Okay. So, what do you mean? What is the difference between being a priest versus being a pastor?
1: So, you have different positions like associate pastor and pastor. Kind of work your way up the the corporate ladder. So a pastor oversees everything. The associate's sort of like his assistant. Oh, okay. That makes sense.
0: Okay. So
1: how did you become a priest? Like what brought you into the faith? Um, probably it goes all the way back to dreams and visions I had when I was a little kid. Seeing uh, things in the future.
0: Seeing things in the future. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, enlighten me, please. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're going to have to expand on that.
1: Well, I can remember as far back as probably two or three-year-olds, Two or three, maybe four years old, seeing things before they happened, seeing things that other people couldn't see, and just thought that was normal until you, know, you come to share that with your parents, and they go, well, no, that's not really that normal. And, um, but actually, I came from a whole family where they were seers, but they just didn't really talk about it, both on the paternal and the maternal side. And so even my siblings have had a lot of what we'd call paranormal experiences, but for us, it's just normal. It's not paranormal. Yeah, it's just your every day. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So have you always practiced Catholicism? Like were you raised in
1: Catholicism? Yes, yes. Okay. from the time I was a kid.
0: Okay, so that's where the visions... Have they always been in line with your beliefs in Catholicism? Or was it something that you translated
1: to your beliefs? Uh, that's a good question. I just remember seeing images and things. Um, probably the earliest recollection I had of, of a vision was... Um, So I'm I'm one of six, so I have two older sisters and three younger siblings. And um, I can remember one time, couldn't have been much more than three years old because I fit between the the fence post and the garage to be able to kind of squeeze out and go play. And when I came back, I had actually snuck out, but I had injured myself and had scraped my arm up. So I knew that when I came back home, Mom was going to say, where were you? And I couldn't have said, well, I just stayed in the backyard because she'd say, you know, what's on your arm? And I can remember, even as a little kid, praying and saying, okay, God, uh, you got to help me out here because I I need to get inside, try to distract my mom so I can get inside and wash this off. And I remember leaning up against the garage wall, and I actually saw a, a full vision of Jesus' face with a crown of thorns. And I remember seeing blood drop down, hit my arm, and the pain in my arm went away. But I knew that the pain in my ass was gonna be a lot worse than the pain in my arm when I walked inside the door. <laughs> so Fair. just those kind of nice. things. Just yeah. those kind of things. Interesting. A lot of a lot of seeing people who are deceased, um, people that I'd never met in my family, but then talk to my mom and dad, like, you know, what did Aunt Mary look like? Or seeing pictures and then realizing that what I was seeing wasn't just my imagination. So I grew up in the sixties when Twilight Zone and and Outer Limits were kind of like the, the sci-fi features of the day. And uh, so my mom would just say, well, you know, maybe maybe you need to stop watching television because they're putting thoughts in your head. But then when I would come up with specific things that nobody else would know, then she began to say, well, maybe you are seeing things. But she said, if you, if you want to lead a normal life, if you want to keep being a Cub Scout playing soccer and uh, – doing things that other kids do just like keep your mouth shut about that and just talk to me about it. So that's what I did. Yeah. I just pretty much shared stuff with her. Where'd you grow up? Uh, in Florissant North okay. County, St. Louis. But for me, that was normal. It was, and, and even still today, it's normal for me. Um, but I, I've, I've learned to kind of take that charism and use it for the benefit of people that I see. So most people have no idea that that's the case. Um, So I just use it to kind of advance whatever God wants me to do and to help a particular person.
0: Okay. Interesting. Well, I think that, yeah, you segued nicely into the reason why I think we were interested in doing this podcast is because when I found out that you were Father Mark, and then the next thing that I was told is that you were called the clairvoyant priest. And is that kind of what you're talking about? These these powers? Is that, is that defined as clairvoyance? I mean, how would you clarify that?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say necessarily it was clairvoyance. I would just say it was just... um. If you've ever seen night vision goggles, when they're on a person's head, their, their span of uh, light and the ability to perceive it broadens more than if you didn't have that on. And I think that, um, at least from what I've understood and the many people that I've run into, God just allows certain people to have that in their soul and they're able to see further than most people. And they've been able to see from as far back as when they were two or three, as far back as they can remember. So as far as clairvoyance or gift, it's just something that is. Most people actually have the ability. They just haven't really been taught to recognize it or to understand what that is.
3: So would you say your experiences with that have been more in a positive vein or more negative, like some of the Catholic Church known for doing exorcisms and things like that? Um, have you had any of those kind of paranormal experiences? Yeah, as
1: a kid, I would see and smell what I would say was Satan. Um, I could tell when he came in the room because it was a very definite sulfur smell. And there were actually things that would take place, um, mostly at nighttime, that would scare the hell out of me. And so a lot of the initial experiences were very, what you might call demonic Um some, some of the experiences I came to understand were actually people who were deceased and, you know, when this gray shadow comes in the room or this darkness comes in the room, you automatically think, like, <laughs> you know, there's that's something bad, it's something <laughs> ugly. Um, but then I, I came to discern much later on, especially talking with other people, that there are certain levels of perception and the presence, if you want to call it like a frequency, the frequency for each one of those is very different. And just like you have a a reading on a Geiger counter with certain frequencies certain beings bring different frequencies um, but the initial ones were very dark and very evil and sinister. Um, wasn't until later on that like the flip side kind of came into into the picture so more angelic than demonic interesting, hmm. interesting. so
0: I want to circle back to something that you were saying earlier, and I think this is <laughs> this is a have you ever given any thought to the idea that your perception ability might be biological, like your ability to maybe have more enhanced pineal gland, for example? Oh, absolutely. Or you know, your ability to be more receptive might be like a higher level of like DMT ser- secretion.
1: Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, it's very much. And, and you to believe
0: that. that that what that's doing is that's creating that physical manifestation that's allowing you to tap into a spiritual reality.
1: Yeah. As a kid, I remember being able to look inward and see what looked like a TV where I'd see images. I came to understand later on, especially for people who have a, a deeper knowledge, especially in the area of quantum physics and just the way the whole body works. You know, for example, the DNA uh, have everything that you know God put into us to be able to manifest. It's just that some people's uh, fuses aren't turned on. If you go downstairs in the basement, you have like forty fuses in a box. Some people have two or three. Some people have more than that. Um, most people don't use. You know, the, supposedly we have 32 strands, 64 DNA. Most of us probably only use less than 10%. But for some reason, and I think at least for me, from what I've been able to understand, um, it has to do more with genetics. So when two families have very high frequencies uh, and abilities, when when their offspring are born, they tend to be that much more, what you might say, are clairvoyant or perceptive. So it's really something very physical. It's it's not necessarily anything extraordinary or spiritual, at least as far as I'm concerned.
0: Okay. Yeah, I would agree with that. That would fall in line with my personal beliefs. So, so yeah, do you I, think
3: any of that was something that potentially has just kind of been muted, blunted, or lost over the years and and maybe those other things functioning higher could account for some of the things we see in civilizations of the past, like the pyramids. Oh, absolutely. Things like that. Because we've sort yeah. of talked about those yeah. things amongst ourselves.
2: I mean, I, I'm i in a belief that where I believe most every human has the ability to see or to, like you say, have those uh, circuits, mm-hmm. right? But I feel as a society and through life and control and things that has been intentionally suppressed and thought to even possibly control populace in that way and kind of thing. Is that how, where's my question going? Where do you feel about, how do you feel about the suppression of that? Like, do you think that's a something I'm circling around? Well, no,
1: (laughs) it's it's definitely something planned by people who don't want the majority of people to develop the gifts Mm -hmm. that God has given to them normally. Right. Yeah. I like the idea yeah. of the development
0: because because I believe that it is a biological trait that you can inherit. I also think it's something that you can train, and and I believe that to be. We talk about manifesting a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of cued into one of our trigger words, right? And uh, but. You know, just like we can go to the gym, if I don't necessarily have the most developed biceps, I can do curls and I can do exercise and I can make that bicep muscle stronger. Now, it may never be to the potential of somebody who was genetically gifted to begin with. But if that person would automatically go ahead and put the same effort in, then they would be able to achieve a greater result. But if that person doesn't put that effort in, and I do, then I believe that we are capable of achieving a similar level of connection. Absolutely. And, you know, so I spent a lot of time and energy and effort into trying to develop that because that's something that um, I came into myself a few months ago, and, and for the for the sake of sounding, you know, too crazy truly do believe in in the sense of absolutely that we do have the power to manifest that we do have the power to speak things into existence Mm -hmm. and that we can create our realities Mm -hmm. and i don't think that there's any i think the only thing that stands in the way of that is your doubt in your belief that it is possible Mm -hmm. and if you can eliminate that doubt then you can move mountains
1: yeah, I think fear is probably the, the one factor that limits most folks. So if you can stir up the fear and have all the positive energy go in that direction, then you never you know, move forward in a really good direction. And a lot of it has to do with coaching, too. If you don't have a good coach, like if you're in a gym and you have a really good coach that can help push you past your ability, then you develop in a way that you normally wouldn't have known to do that. Um, right. I just, as a priest, have never really found that many people that – we're good coaches.
0: Well, I, I was really fortunate in the fact that my coach just came into my life and ended up being my life partner, and she was able to kind of like coach me through that spiritual transformation. And then along the way, I got great, lucky enough to be able to meet Eric, and who's also very spiritually enlightened, and he helped fill in parts of that. And then I, you know, meet uh, uh, Sarge, and and, and it just there's so many different levels of that. But you know, as you go, you get that growth and and the add to. So mm-hmm. but yeah, I think that having that proper coaching and that proper development in the in the direction or the what we would say proper intentions is the most important. Mm-hmm.
3: So on that in that vein, uh what are your thoughts about the deliberate use of psychoactive substances to enhance or open doorways for any of those things?
1: I, I think that it it might be beneficial initially, but all those the, all those chemical components are inside the body itself. You just have to right. know how to release them.
3: Well, because uh, I've heard in the past that uh, like the burning bush on Mount Sinai, for instance, when it burns, it produces dimethyltryptyline. And we, are, we all know what happened when you know, he, Moses went up there uh, and maybe if that opening was divine in a way you know what I mean? And the creator was speaking to him or whatever, but I know a lot of veterans cause I'm passionate about this. There's a lot of things going on right now with, uh, ayahuasca psilocybin, uh, to cure and treat PTSD. And I've yet to find any negative and not life altering in a very positive way interaction of people who in a clinical setting went in and set very deliberate intention. And then, uh, And did it and didn't have nobody's had a negative outcome Mm -hmm. at at all so i'm just curious on your thoughts about that
1: yeah i I don't know about the chemical components i know that they can artificially probably move in that direction but everything that is necessary for the body to heal is in every single person it's it's just a matter of knowing how to release that i don't know if you're familiar with med beds have you ever heard that term medical beds no Mm -hmm. so medical beds i'm not an expert either because i'm just beginning to kind of move in that direction i when, when I was in high school, I only got a C in physics. So when, when it comes to quantum physics and physics that go beyond normal physics, it's hard for me to, to be able to use a language that another scientist would be able to understand. Um, but when I see it in terms of interiorly, the visions that I see and how I see that energetically, when I present that to a physicist, they're able to translate that in a way where it's, it's sort of like watching a, a foreign film where the audio is not matched up with the video. And so you might see the mouth move and then hear the words later on. That's sort of how it is with me. I see the I see the pictures. And sometimes it takes a person who has the language to be able to meet you know, the, the, the criteria that describes the picture. It doesn't make it any less real. It just means I don't have the language to be able to describe that. Well, anyway, medbeds go all the way back, probably past Tesla, that essentially if with all the people that are in this room if you could all see yourself as an individual uh, composition in terms of frequency so one might be a beethoven one might be bach you know however it might be your your dna was created specifically to resonate like a symphony and when the notes on the page start falling off due to sickness or things that happen you know somewhere in the universe for either nature or nurture reasons this this machine is able to scan you to tell you you know where you resonate and where you need to have your DNA healed through sound and uh, light and sound, a comp- uh, composition of light and sound.
3: So it's similar to the chambers in South America where they said that there used to be healing chambers where they could. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, yeah and there's three, basic, there's three basic med beds. One uh, that actually tunes up your DNA so that you're actually – Operating at full capacity in terms of your physical body. Um, The second med bed actually can take your DNA and recreate your organs depending on, you know, what you need. So it's taking your DNA and giving you like a 3D printer, uh, creating these organs for replacement. So it's a perfect match. And the third med bed has to do with healing the psyche and the mind, especially with trauma and PTSD, to be able to heal a person's – to – actually kind of go in and etch-a-sketch all the things that are positive and all the things that are negative and filter out the negative and only have the positive come forward it's pretty awesome the technology that's there that's been there for a long time that has been withheld from us for various reasons most of them are very nefarious
0: It's interesting to me. Everything that you just said falls so in line with my macro beliefs, right? And so I think maybe part of this to understand for you and maybe audience that hasn't heard previous podcasts is that uh, I'm an economist, so I look at things from two levels, macro and micro. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you were talking and I was thinking about well, at the macro level, I do believe that the universe is founded on mathematics. Mm-hmm. And then I believe that it is constructed on sounds and frequencies. numbers. Right? And then everything is constructed that way. So that's a, 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 a pretty universal belief system, which we seem to agree upon. Uh, so my next question is... From that construct, as you start to go from the macro to the micro, um, where do you make that split change to go from okay? Well, we are a mathematical universe constructed in through sound and communicated through frequency. Um, then where does a
1: where does a spiritual deity come into this? Um, I I believe that the first uh, vibration coming forth. If you, if you go to Genesis when God said, "Let there be light." that first frequency went into the void where there was nothing and it created something from the, the frequency of the actual words, the initial words. In fact, when you go into the scriptures and you're able to study them uh, more intensely, because I, I don't I don't study Greek and I don't study Aramaic, but when you actually, for example, study the Aramaic, especially the Hebrew language, it's very breathy, it's very based on frequency, it's very reflective of the original words of the Creator. Um, so I would say that They are closely linked. One is the backside of the other. So why would, I guess my question then would be, why would a
0: frequency that has creative power, which I have no problem believing, that would also explain and be in line with what we believe with science, that that we believe the universe is continuously expanding, Mm -hmm. right? Because that frequency would have continued on and Mm -hmm. would still be resonating and therefore creation would still be happening. I think I'm okay with that. Where does that become a consciousness? Where does that become the God of the Bible?
1: That's a good question. I don't think it it, it has any effect on God Himself. It has to do more with us perceiving His presence, but and being able. Well, this being is you able, writing God into a physical
2: form, whether that be a vibration or, a, a, I think it's it's a separation. Right? I think I
3: understood that. I think I understood. I don't know that you understood what he said, and or maybe I misunderstood. So I want to clarify for me and maybe you. I I don't know. Okay. What I heard you say was in Genesis when God said, "Let there be light." That was a divine creator using frequency, not being frequency. That's right.
1: He is the source of frequency. Separation. It's not, but but manifesting the frequency into where the okay. So there's a consciousness that exists that.
0: Initialize the specific the frequency. frequencies yes. of creation. Yes. Yes. What is the frequency then of said consciousness? Can it be any frequency? Is
1: it all frequency? So you're talking about the ultimate frequency. Or you're talking about us.
0: I'm talking about the consciousness the behind
1: mm-hmm. the movement. Well, sort of.
0: You okay. know, because I, I think that's the pivotal thing that that if we exist in a construct. That is, you know, and so let's, I'll use this analogy because I think this one is the best because we can relate to the ocean. You know, if the energy that we're talking about is the ocean and we're all inside of the ocean and the frequencies that are going in through that ocean are creating and manifesting objects and realities, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. that's what we call matter, right? Mm -hmm. Or we call truth, whatever you want to define that as. Then I'm okay with the idea of believing in a consciousness simply because we exist, If I exist in this reality, in this frequency reality, and I'm able to concept and and achieve consciousness, then I'm okay with believing that there could be different levels of consciousness. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm also okay with believing that that frequency, that creator frequency, could very well be a consciousness. But I'm also subject to the idea that it could be limited to just that singular function. As grand as that function is, it could be a consciousness that can do nothing more than just create and repeat, create and repeat, Mm -hmm. and set structure, order, and move on. It could just be a one and a zero, right? So where where does the enlightened omega God consciousness come into play?
1: Well, I think it would depend on the person who's perceiving that consciousness. It's relative. It's subjective. Because we can't be objective consciousness. God is objective consciousness. We're subjective, and so we perceive according to our ability to be able to even begin to ask those questions. I don't know if that answers your question. Are you kind
3: of going with the my ways are not your ways, like don't lean on your own understanding kind of thing? Is that where you're going with that?
1: I, I think that's part of it, but the way that, humankind was created is we were given all the faculties to become just like the creator, unlike any other species or what I call cousins. And we have lots of cousins.
0: Okay. To play a little bit of devil's advocate, pun the term. But if we are all the same energy, if that initial energy came out and all of the energy that exists as part of the initial energy, then we are all the creator. We are all the divine. We are all God. There is no difference in that energy we're not subject to anything we are a part of it we are in the ocean with it and we are the ocean
2: mm, I, I think you're confusing the the person who's holding the bowl that is the ocean with who you are I, what, but then I that what becomes saying, a separate space it is a, a separate, separate space. reality I completely I, to complete, I you, think that's
3: you're speaking more to created in the image of God mm-hmm
2: Yes. Right. That's as far as to, us, objectively. Right. So you're saying, he's saying, God gave us the everything that we need to become God-like, but we are not God. We have the.
0: No, I don't think you're you're misunderstanding what I'm what I'm trying to ask. there, uh, there is there is the question, the fork in the road, at the very beginning of time. At the initial moment, right? We're going to go back to this um, divine mover concept, right? At the beginning of time, there existed either something or nothing. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Okay. I think what, where you and I are are crossing paths at, is your belief is that something existed in that moment called. God, a divine consciousness that we are subject to, right? And I believe that in that moment, if that frequency occurred, that that energy from that frequency became reality. theres I don't believe that there was a consciousness that existed before that moment. I believe in that moment that became reality. And so that all of that energy is one. So, that's what I'm asking is, is, at what moment did you decide that there was a superior consciousness that exists outside of the reality that we live in?
1: For myself, it's when I allowed myself to be completely consumed by that consciousness. Okay. There was a moment of surrender where, and I can remember specifically when that happened. I was already a priest and was going through a lot of personal challenges and... Just normal, everyday kinds of things, and it had reached a point where it's just like, okay God, how much more really? <laughs> you mm. know? Well, you- but but there was a point at which I had to say, okay, I had I had to surrender, I had to let go, you know, kind of like jumping off the high dive, so you're at a point where you're on something, you're on nothing and then you go to something. So in that in between, when you're not on anything and going towards something, you're in the middle and you're in nothing right. It was in that that I surrendered and just said, okay i'm 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 jumping into where you're at and right. wh- wherever it takes me that's fine right and it's it's the one moment that I can remember literally seeing every single DNA in my body illuminate with light and for a moment it's sort of like I don't know if you've ever had an out, out of body experience, but when you leave your body and you're looking back at it thinking that's me, but I was seeing it in in, on on the micro level where i Mm -hmm. saw every single part of me in the light of the eternal Mm -hmm. and that's that's when i understood everything in in, in a completely new way right i think for
0: the for the listeners and also grateful for what you just said because i agree with so much of what you just said that but it's a great moment to kind of parallel our belief systems in in a way that makes it very cooperative. Because what I love about what you said is it's so in line with my beliefs. I believe that what you're talking about, um, allowing and coming in or, or embracing God to be, to be able to come a part of you, and you know, just surrender, right? Mm-hmm i feel the same way where i allow myself to become part of the energy that is the universe right i want to become part of the spiritual energy it's the same togetherness right that and from that comes that same spiritual rebirth that same spiritual regrowth and what's so cool is that there's that parallel there that we're both achieving the same connection regardless of our different beliefs and how we're achieving it and yet we're still achieving the same results. We're still having that spiritual growth to the universe that is. And I think that's beautiful.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. we we come from the same breath.
0: Exactly. The same
1: frequency. Right. And that's what makes us his kids. Right. Yeah.
0: I think that's the important part. And I've, I've succumbed to that as well It's like, I don't care so much about what people believe. As much as I care about, are they getting the connection that they need in the spiritual growth and the direction? And I think that that narrative can be a very personal, individual mm-hmm. choice, mm-hmm. and no one can give that to you. That yep. is a decision you have to make on your own. That's right. But uh, you can... I, if I see somebody over there and you know they're a practicing Christian and they're getting spiritual growth and they're manifesting their destiny and they're, they're rewarding other people's lives and they're, they're being charitable and it's making them a better person, by all means, I, I support that a 1,000%. I think mm-hmm. that that is in line with the mission of all everybody should have is just being a, a better person and achieving that personal growth. Mm-hmm. So I have a
3: hot seat question
0: for you, sort of maybe, do you think any
3: of these ideas and concepts that we're kind of extrapolating on have been repressed by the church? For instance, everything that was kept out of the Bible and texts through like the Council of Nicaea, things maybe that are in the Dead Sea Scrolls that we never saw, any of those things?
1: Oh, absolutely. There are a lot of things that have been suppressed, um, not by God himself, by man, by mankind himself, yeah. In what fact, you- mo- most of what I've learned the last five years have been outside of that context and have understood, you know, just how bereft some of the formation, not just in the institutional churches, but in all institutions.
0: What was the motive for
1: them removing that in your opinion? You know, I don't I don't control. really know. Yeah, control probably is a bigger part of it. I mean, this this could be a topic for the next podcast. <laughs> the next yeah, podcast. Yeah, a big one, one huh? <laughs> a very big one. Because okay. I, I think it has to do with our understanding that humankind is just one of many subsets of god's creation and just like you have you know the whole stair stepping of you know the demonic going from the angelic to the demonic you also have on um, uh, in the 3d world what we call our cousins that were related to you have the good the bad and the ugly and i think probably for the last who knows how many tens of thousands of years we've been suppressed specifically suppressed through AI and technology, and, and that was an interesting number you threw out.
0: So you believe that the uh, that the world's older than ten thousand years old?
1: Oh, I'd say the especially if if you get into you know pre deluge before Noah. I think there were probably at least four or five civilizations that were very much more um, technologically developed. That maybe not originated here, but ended up here. And some of whom are still here.
3: See, so you reading oh, your Graham Hancock oh and stuff.
1: I agree. Some, some of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because some of what I experienced as a kid were exactly that. I didn't understand what that was at the time. Oh well, explain, expand on that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't just throw that out there and walk away.
1: <laughs> I, I, I think just like you discern as a kid, you know, cat, dog, cow, duck, goose, whatever that. Um, The human intellect has the ability to discern various forms of – various life forms. And as a kid, you know, my parameters as, you know, two, three, four-year-old were we're only human. But I came to understand, especially as I got older, that there were ones that went beyond that. And so I had to learn a whole new way of kind of assessing what that was. I'm still learning what that is. Okay. So so I just – I want to clarify. You're saying you're
2: calling cousins, yes. right? And you're not you're not saying cousins as in a chimpanzee. You're no. saying cousins as in people, human, some I mean, humanoid you know, and, and some humanoid, not humanoid. Some not spiritually different, very really different, interdimensionally different, very I'm diverse, sure. very yes. diverse. But they're still walking, talking, what we would call enlightened beings.
1: Yeah. Some so some of those within the three dimensional world we can perceive, but when you get to the fourth and the fifth. Uh, Dimensions, unless you're given that ability to discern, it just kind of is out there.
2: Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So interdimensional beings, interdimensional beings living within some corporeal, meaning some some having matter, some Mm -hmm. that can manifest in the three dimensional world, but many of those that are more energy and frequency. Right. And so we're saying
2: that. I kind of like to write interdimensional as the same as like the spiritual levels, Mm -hmm. right? It's kind of almost the same thing, like those worlds per se, the different worlds. And having interdimensional beings or that existence or being able to dictate between them
1: is where you're saying is where people might not have that ability, right? right? So go back to that fuse box, the 64 fuses, Mm -hmm. you know, the 32 double strands, Some people who have maybe ten fuses on are able to perceive beyond the three dimensional, and be able to discern what that looks like in terms of the energetic and the and the rest of that. Wow. And I think some of those abilities are going to be coming upon us very quickly. We're we're, we're going to radically change with. Within the next decade or two. All
0: right, so let's talk some brass tacks on this because we're beating around the bush too much. Let's get to some details. Like, what are we talking about here? Like, what are some experiences? Like, what are the visions? What are the interactions with the paranormal? Like, what are what are the ghosts? What are the aliens? Like, what are we talking about
1: here? Like, I need examples. (laughs) (laughs) So, a person who was doing some work here in the rectory um, came to check on part of the electrical and came to the front door and looked at me, looked behind me, and I knew it was my dogs because I have schnauzers, so they are on the floor. He actually saw something physical behind me so much so that it startled him that he left and just walked away. And I thought, well, that, <laughs> have a nice day. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I came to find out later on that what he had seen was a full-bodied Civil War soldier dressed in um, uh, the gray uniform, the hat, everything, um, and I never told them that I'd seen that same embodiment in various places in the area because this area is is um, is very much filled with civil war battles and very very different kinds of uh, of interactions, and so you know for somebody who I had never told that I had you know, experienced this same presence, um, for him just to walk in, see it, and then later on tell me, you're going to think I'm crazy. And I said, well, probably not. Why don't you tell me what you saw? And it was exactly the same figure that I had seen. So to that note, I, I have two, two quick stories.
4: So on the whole future seeing presence thing, like we talked about, I went to Florida for four years, and it was the October before we moved down there, Florida was not even a vision and we were at a wedding and I was kind of in my la-la land. My wife asked me, "It's like, what's going through your head? You're obviously, your wheels are spinning. And I said, I don't know when, I don't know why, I don't know how we're going to live here. Four months later, we weren't living in Tampa. The preacher came down and came, visit us with his, with the family. And we had a vacation there, down there. And I told him then, I don't know why, I don't know when, I don't know how, but we're coming back to Missouri. It was less than a month. So I don't know if I'm just uber conscious with fate and what's going on around me. That's one thing. And then the story that you just said, so I have a family from Pennsylvania and a good friend of mine told me about this little boy that he saw at my grandparents' house wearing a blue jean, like a bib overall suit, maybe five years old, very short. My cousin's husband, no affiliation, never talked to each other ever, told me he saw the exact same thing and I had to call my buddy on speakerphone and told I asked my buddy, tell me the story about you seeing a little boy. And it was the exact same person they saw. It was the goosebumps down the arms was absolutely crazy because they both identified whatever they saw to
1: a T. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, That that's just one of many
2: experiences. Right, so in the word of like, that's a ghost, right? And that's what we would call a ghost. Where What are you calling it? So I don't necessarily, do we believe that it's a a spirit that just hasn't left or or just remnants of
1: yeah i think sometimes it might just be a a a, you know sort of like a contrail that the the plane's gone but you still see the contrail i think some of it that there are actually spirits that get stuck Mm -hmm. i had the experience one time i was going to the hospital i was on interstate 44 and noticed that the the westbound traffic was completely stopped well unless it was an accident there's no way that there wasn't going to be any traffic going Westbound on 44. And I remember looking ahead cause there were a few cars ahead of me. And I actually saw four kids running across the highway thinking they're going to get killed. If well, that's stupid, you know, kids running across the highway, very active. Not a good idea. Didn't, didn't really pay too much attention to it until I came home that day and found out that there was a car accident on the Westbound side. Four kids were killed and, What I had actually seen was them not understanding that they were dead, but they were actually running away, running away from the accident, from the accident because they didn't understand. So that that's more than just coincidence. There's you know it's just things that happen Mm -hmm. that you have, like you said, verification coming from another source, not anywhere related to you know that experience and confirming the same kind of 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 a presence. And I think most people have that ability you wouldn't be here asking those questions if you didn't all have that ability it's just a matter of fine-tuning that and understanding it much more deeply (laughs) and your experience too as you were speaking so so if you've ever watched the macy's day parade you know it it begins at one part in manhattan and ends at another part So if you're on 67th Street and watching down Fifth Avenue, you're only going to see what's passing in front of you. But if you have a drone that's above taking a picture of the whole thing, you're going to be able to see the beginning of the parade, the middle, and the end. And so God's perspective is like that. People who move forward or backward in the future are actually having that drone experience of seeing how God sees time. And so you're actually in the same kind of a time frame of God, which is always in the now, because God doesn't exist in the past, he doesn't exist in the future, he only exists in the now. You just happen to kind of fast forward on his DVD player to kind of see things before they actually happen. And that happens a lot.
0: That's an interesting concept.
1: Yeah, I see what you're saying there. You're
0: talking about field of view. You know, if if time then would be purely linear at that point like that parade then that would make sense but yeah I understand how you how you put that together so what do you think then if if that higher level view allows you to be able to exist within a span of time frame right so is that then those different sections of that timeline are that what you're referring to then is that where you're coming up with your different dimensions?
1: Uh, no, I don't think. It has or is to that it.
0: just your present? Or is that just your future and past that's reference? That's just future and past, and okay. and free
1: will affects those things. as so well. So
0: then we're always running slightly behind normal.
1: Yeah, a little bit. That's we we one way we of are
0: trailing in the background. So that's why there's a there's a predictatory ability there.
1: But the soul does have the ability to go up in in that space where God exists, where because He's eternal, He's both in time and out in time and outside of time. Where you're able to to move forward and backwards and see how he sees. Okay. So does the future exist? The future exists insofar so far as it is in in time. So is the future is the future preset? The the future would be determined by free will actions.
2: And so, so, so you're the, saying it's preset, but in a sporadic, whichever
1: choose-your-own-adventure story. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of different endings to the story, sort of like you know, the, the movie Clue. I don't mm, know if you ever saw that. Yeah, it had various yeah, endings. I,
0: I think, though, I think one of the problems with your example is you give the example of a parade. A parade has a beginning and an end. In order for the end of the parade to predict the, the beginning of the parade, the beginning of the parade would not have to be established, but it would have had to have begun in order there to be a span of time. So that is a real problem when you're looking at that.
1: I'm not sure what you're saying. Yeah, that hurt. My okay.
0: Head. So you have a beginning of Just a parade. Well you said that there mind. was a beginning of a time frame. So I'm looking at a float that it that has a clown on okay, it. In, okay, in,
1: in the three dimensional world. Okay. Okay.
0: No, in this reference of the God view, if we were okay, uh, let's let's use an example. So we go up in the drone, right, and we see the beginning of a parade and the end of the parade. At the beginning of the parade, there's float A. And at the end of the parade, there is float Z, right? If we exist somewhere in M, and our actions are capable of changing the outcome of the parade, and the reason why we're able to predict the future is because God can already see float A, right? Then it wouldn't be right to say that the outcomes of float M would change float A, because float A would have had to have been float A when it all began. He had to have seen something that's there. The drone is seeing things that already exist. Just because we know that the building is the beginning of the the drone's view, we can't just change that building when we're somewhere down the road on the other span, based on behavior.
2: What if all of the combinations of said parade exist? Your choices dictate which avenue or which way you go. Well which then you're okay now you're up. talking about changing the route, which is a it's different not the thing. Route. No, it's changing the, the No, it's whole changing linear, the route. You're changing the linear line of the But the parade, linear line like already to has Z. to exist
0: for that view to be a construct. You can't have that construct without having a linear view.
1: But because we're co creative, we do. We have that ability. What I'm saying is that linear view
2: is however linear it can exist, it exists. So any change it already exists side by side. It's just which one you're going to look at, by which field of view you're going to choose to look into.
0: Uh, Let's agree to disagree on this one because... I think that what, we're, what, you're, what you're saying, I understand what you're trying to say. I understand that multiple realities exist based on decision outcomes that we make today, right? And that any future possible reality could exist based on a decision outcome that we make today. Therefore, we would have the ability to see multiple future variations of said possibilities. But that isn't what we're talking about. That's the problem. That is not what I'm talking about. If God is in a drone, the buildings and the people and the streets and everything that the drone is looking at already exists now if we're in a parade you're right if we make a decision to turn left we can make a different route through said streets and roads and we can go wherever they exist there okay but what we are not talking about is what you are talking about is somewhere on road a we make a decision. And then the entire model completely changes and everything that was now becomes something completely different. And that that being that is seeing this model can then see every potential variation of that model that could ever possibly exist. And now all we're talking about is imagination. We're not talking about reality.
2: That is reality.
0: You're talking, no, because... That wouldn't be something. There would only be what well, He even father just said there's only one God exists in the now,
2: and the outside now. the now,
1: you're limiting. But that God now at involves
0: multiple. So you're so you're yes. telling me that that now involves a a multiple layered sheet.
1: Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. I just don't know if I buy into that. Well, p- part of the challenge though is 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 so what we're we're speaking we're using a language that's three dimensional because they're. That's We're, what we can perceive. That's what we can perceive. But when you go to like, the fourth dimension, when you go to the fifth dimension, let's just say God exists at the 99th dimension, the way that he perceives things is very different from the way that we perceive things in this three-dimensional world because we we don't have the faculties to be able to discern like he does. And so you would ask questions like you ask, which are very good questions, we just don't have... We don't have the capacity to be able to frame that okay. in a way that will help us to perceive it. So this that. lines
3: up with when they talk about <clears throat> dimensions and potential realities outside ours, and they say there's an infinite number yeah. of Sams living an infinite yeah, number I, I th- of different I lives. think
0: where the father and I are disagreeing, and I think that what I realized is we have a different idea of how it's constructed. Mm-hmm. My model looks different than yours, and your model doesn't fit in mine, and that's okay. Yeah. yeah, I think I, I was I'm sorry. I thought we had a similar model but we don't. Mm-hmm. We have a similar idea but a definitely a completely different model. Mm-hmm. So, and that's okay. I'm I'm good with that. So, I apologize for that.
1: No, no. That's good. That's how you learn.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, and then I don't agree with your model either. I understand that. <laughs> yeah. I,
2: but I don't agree with yours. I think yours is too limiting. I think you're limiting your model to a point that it, it can't, you can't you're not exploring the everything right? Well no,
0: I just think that our definition of the everything is different. I think that the everything is the everything that exists all around us. The all of the all of the existence that I would call truth is what is the here, the now, right So if there's space, if there's infinite universe, whatever it is that is around us exists in that truth and I believe that all of that is one thing. that's it. that's all I believe. I don't believe. That there are multiple dimensions of said thing, I believe that that is the truth. It's just that it is a one thing, and I don't I don't feel that that's but limiting.
2: Does that contradict interdimensional beings? Or I don't. I stuff? never
0: said that I believed in interdimensional I know, I, beings.
2: Okay. I
0: don't believe in interdimensional beings. I believe in po- the possibility of different levels of consciousness or different types of consciousness, but I don't believe in interdimensions. I believe that everything is everything. We are in a big giant ocean. But can't that? And if we melt it away, we become water. And then that water creates, you know, coral and other life, and it manifests life and it comes back into. That's what we are. The matter we we don't get created, we don't get destroyed. We just are. We're a part of that water, and that water just continues to
2: exist. But can't that water be interdimensional?
0: I, I Personally, don't hold that notion. No, I don't think that that makes sense to me. Do you know what CERN
3: is? Do I know what what is? CERN, C E R N. No, I don't. So there's something, and I'm going to mess it up. It's a collider. It exists in over around Switzerland. It's a oh, the
0: big hydrogen collider. Yeah, I know all about that. Yeah, you read about
3: when they said they recently said they had seen into three dimensions, slamming atoms together.
0: I've. No, I have not read that. You you would have to interpret that for me.
3: They they said slamming them together. They basically almost think about this is a terrible analogy, but it's the best one I have. Think Stranger Things. Mm -hmm. They they ripped a hole into another dimension. They basically said when slamming atoms together, they had seen into three other dimensions. Now I
0: yeah, I'm not going to put any stock into that. I don't know, man.
3: I'm not a. I'm. I'm yeah, not well, sci- that's, that's I'm not a the, physicist or well, a scientist. Well, the, the, the thing that know. people
0: need to understand about scientists is that that was research, and that was their finding based on the results of their research. That needs to be repeatable. Yeah, needs to be testable. I agree. You know, there's a lot of things that go into that, and nobody said that their findings was accurate or correct just because they have PhDs does not make them right. And I'm not saying it does. So,
3: what I'm saying is it if it's a if it's people's given field of study. I'm not saying that makes them correct. I'm saying I'm willing to entertain the idea that it's possible.
0: Well, I think a lot of people entertain the idea that it's possible. And I'm not shutting down the idea that it can be entertained. I'm just saying that I don't personally entertain that idea. So I don't factor that into my belief sets. Fair enough. Because I don't believe it to be a truth. It's not a, It's not one of my truths. Yeah. And so I can't put it in that framework. Okay. Fair enough. That's it. Simple. Doesn't affect my day-to-day.
3: <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I under- I understand. I had a former friend of mine. He said uh, he lived his life in the belief that he could be presented with new information that was accurate and profound enough that it could flip everything on its head at a moment's notice when presented with new information?
0: Oh, 100%. I'm open to that. That's what
3: I'm saying. Oh, yeah, I'm open to
0: it for sure. I mean, if I felt like if I was presented, my belief set is open enough right now that if I'm presented with enough information, I mean, I I do consider myself a scientist. I I look for information different from my own. I I try to tackle biases. I I deliberately try to mitigate my biases, and I, I look at frameworks and... And uh, I give a lot of consideration to the things that I think or feel, but I'm always up to the idea. I could sit here next week and have a completely different opinion, but it's going to be found on data and research and why I believe this way, or it's Mm -hmm. going to be strongly anecdotal. I'm not just going to wake up next week and just believe something because somebody told it to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm always open to new ideas, always open to new ideas.
1: I think along those same lines, too, um, If you challenge yourself to understand that what we see in the three-dimensional world is really the unreal, it's a reflection of the absolute, that helps to kind of temper some of those things because it makes Mm -hmm. it very difficult to be able to validate something when you're not seeing the fullness of the truth. Right, And and that's why asking your questions and doing what you're doing is so good because you're moving in that direction of trying to discern what the truth is. I
3: look at it like we didn't used to know that microorganisms were a thing when we were living you know what i mean mm-hmm.
0: or, or how those influenced things or what or what they well, did or i was listening to the uh, joe rogan podcast the other day and he had a, i think it was eric weinstein that mm-hmm. was on and he was a scientist and he actually presented one of the best theories that i had heard that has challenged my belief on this particular subject was the idea that um uh the world is a record Right, you have two sides to a record, the an old record, right? And you take the you put it on a record player, you take the needle, you put it on the record and your reality that we live in, our dimension or whatever part of that reality is just one side of that record. On the other side of that record exist other songs. It's still the same thing, mm-hmm. but it's a completely different version. Mm-hmm. And he didn't necessarily paint that as a completely different re- dimension though. What he tried to now what he used it was And where it fit in and why I kind of opened my mind to it, because I believe if we're going to go with this, just picture a giant sphere, if if my ocean belief was to be visual, it would just be a, a giant sphere of ocean energy, right? And then that would make sense to me that we could be existing somehow in the center of that sphere and that we would only be seeing you know, one half of that and that the other half of that spirit could be existing on the other and we don't have the needle, or maybe we can train the needle to communicate on both sides of that. Now I loved that theory. My that opened my mind up to a bunch of different possibilities. But see that theory at least fits inside my framework.
2: Well I mean I think I can can entertain that. Just say the record you say there's two sides to the record. I'm just saying there's an infinite amount of sides to the record.
0: Right. Oh, well, I understand that, and I think that that's. It, but that's a, cho- a choice to believe. So yeah, there's nothing wrong with that.
3: Well, and I'm my thoughts more are if we only use ten percent of our brain, right, or something like that. That's you. I'm just a dumb grunt. Uh,
0: it was more before you got blown up. Though. It probably was. I imagine you were incredibly intelligent, uh, yeah. and beautiful. Was, 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 was and handsome. Yeah, he was. More, he was. He was Jack. Much more handsome. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: if all of a sudden that capacity was unlocked, even say eleven to or twelve per- percent, yeah, or or fifty percent, yeah, it, it'd be it'd be like the difference of, uh, you know, having beer goggles on, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. somebody yanked beer goggles
0: off. Right. Well, you know, one of the things that, and this goes back to something we talked about in an earlier podcast, and it goes back to accepting new ideas and possibilities. And so in, in, like I said before, we exist in, a, in the reality that we exist. All that we have to be able to think, any idea that we can imagine or create is going to be limited to... All of the exposure and the data in our environment, mm-hmm. right? That's our data set. That's mm-hmm. it. So if we can imagine it, just the fact that we exist is an impossibility, right? That we've talked about how miraculous that is. Just the fact that we're here right now doing this at all is a complete miracle that nobody takes the time to appreciate. But if we can, if that is a possibility, then anything that we can think of has an equal chance of being a possibility so you can never say that i can't look at you and say i think you're wrong like i don't think your idea could be real because that's not true everybody's idea if you can think of it it could be the truth because we only have access to the data that exists somewhere in the construct of what is the truth Mm -hmm. so if we can imagine it it has a chance of being real (coughs) so you can never dismiss someone's beliefs i can't tell you you're wrong but I do – it should have the freedom to say, I don't like your version and be able to do that. And I think that's a space that more people need to be able to respect is because we all have different versions of what our beliefs are, and that's okay. Right. We can all have a different different reality.
1: Or it could be you're just asking for more data to be able to understand the version.
0: Oh, all I've ever wanted was the truth. Yeah. That's what – you know, I was, uh, I was in seminary. Uh, I started seminary back in 2000, and I, I have to think about it sometimes. My memory—I I smoke too much weed, Father. That's a problem. But uh, <laughs> or
1: a gift, all right, or a gift, a gift,
0: maybe both. Yeah. Are you so it has been for me. That's a real thing. We can talk about that too. Do you uh, do you partake? No, no, no. But uh, okay, interesting. So um,
1: I, I get high in other
0: ways. You get high in other ways. Fair. But uh, you know, when I was back in seminary, um, I had went I'd grown up as a Baptist and then when I had the opportunity to go to seminary I felt like the calling to preach Mm -hmm. and so I just had this door open and it was an assemblies of God church. Well I was never charismatic and assemblies of God and the spiritual healing and powers of the faith and all this. This was not something that I believed in doctrinally at all. And but I wanted the opportunity, and so I took it. And so here I was, assemblies of God, and I'm like, here I am. I'm going to go through seminary. And so I took it pretty serious, and I was an open-minded kind of guy. And so I really kind of embraced this idea of spiritual gifts and all this stuff. But all I ever asked for in my pursuit of all of this was just, the pursuit of the truth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, eventually led me out of the church and I, and I walked away from, from faith and I became an atheist. And I've talked about that on the podcast, but, you know, ultimately I came back to believing in what I believe now, which is obviously a spiritualist of some type, you know, I wouldn't say, I would say I have faith, right? Mm -hmm. But not necessarily a Christian or a religious faith. Um, But uh, it's always been, it's never stopped being the pursuit of truth. That's all I want. Mm -hmm. I'm open to that. Whatever the truth is, I'm good. Mm -hmm. If there is God and God showed up at the table right now and he was like, look, this is the way it is, I'm good with that. Mm -hmm. I'd just be like, all right, on your team, let's go.
1: Uh, be careful what you ask for. Yeah, (laughs) but I'm okay with that. Be careful. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, I just want the
1: truth. From your mouth to God's ears.
0: Uh, But I've never said anything different. That's why I don't worry about it. That's That's been what I've asked for this whole time. Mm My loss of faith, that's why I tell people all the time. They say, Well, you know, when I was an atheist, I said, You don't understand. I, there's nobody that wants to believe in God more than me. I was miserable as an atheist. I mean, when I was an atheist, that's when I only time in my life I ever got to the point where I actually wanted to die and had thought about taking my life on several occasions because I had no reason to live. You can't live without hope, you have to have something to believe in. Mm-hmm. You can't live without hope. And I had no hope. I had no purpose. I had no drive. I had no reason for existence. That was the worst thing that you could ever do to anyone. And I always I told myself then, even when I was an atheist, when people would challenge me with beliefs, I said, I wouldn't even talk to you because I wouldn't wish what I was going through on anyone else because it was that terrible. And I would never do that to someone. I would never want someone not to believe. Mm-hmm. Believing in anything is better than that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I've always been open in the idea of believing whatever it is that is the truth. I just do my best to be discerning and try to be responsible in my beliefs.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't say you're, you have a loss of faith. You're just expanding it in a new way that speaks to you. So I
3: have a question in that it's kind well of said. along that line. I asked this to my father when I was probably seven or eight years old. He was, he did the youth ministry at the church we went to, uh, I was a little kid, um and you know, in the Christian faith it's the Holy Trinity, you know, you only go to the Father through Yeshua. Uh but I said, Dad, how does that work with Buddhists or you know, people in the Sudan or I'm like how do how do you how do you square those ideas that and I guess I'll ask that question to you, because my dad didn't have really a good answer. Uh, he gave
1: me an answer, but I want to hear yours. Yeah, we, we all have the same breath of the Father. We just manifest it in different ways. So it, a, a person who has an alternate belief system doesn't mean that they're any less a person because they still exist because of the breath that God put in them.
3: I guess I'm speaking more to being saved in the afterlife.
1: For, for us, it's a problem. For God, it's not a problem. God would never turn away any one of his kids because he hears his breath in us when we go to see him come before him. It's just like a homecoming.
3: I like that answer better than I've got from some other people. I like to pose it to people fairly frequently because I think some of those things, like I said, with repressed information and other things would make certain things less controlling and... uh, then
0: where would the concept I, of hell sh- come in? Do you not believe in hell? Do I not believe in hell?
1: I think we create it ourselves.
0: Would you expand on yeah. that? Yeah, I, like I, that. I think
1: it's the... the, the well, if you go all the way back to the beginning, and if you understand, as, as I have understood, not only in the scriptures, but just in terms of what I, I perceive, that there was a race of beings that preceded humankind that were angelic. And some of them, because of free will, chose not to walk the path uh, that God invited them to, which because they had free will. And so the moment that the departure went from the truth to their own truth, they created a void. And that void keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think, for me, that void is what we call hell. Mm. Mm. It's the
0: absence or the separation. Yes. Mm. That's a good explanation. So what are your thoughts
3: on the book of Revelation? I'm sorry, I didn't hear. Him. What are your thoughts on the book of Revelation? Then?
1: I think it's the coolest book ever written. <laughs> I think we're walking through its pages right now. I know how it ends, you know, God wins, and so I'm looking forward to it.
3: But then in that there is a lake of fire that the non-believers are cast into at the end of
1: that. So the lake of fire uh, if, you, if this is a cool question because I'm still learning about this. So I don't have any definites because it only took forty years yeah, it only took forty years and hopefully I have at least another ten as long as <laughs> right. I, as long as we've been alive we're going <laughs> to absorb this in the next two minutes though yeah. so go so so the fire <laughs> that was present that you referred to the burning bush if if you could just for a moment experience that as Moses experiencing the divine presence, so we call it the divine fire it manifested as fire, but it really wasn't fire it just how it looked in the three dimensional world. If you go to Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, when they yep. get thrown into the fire, it's the same eternal fire. That same fire is present for everyone because we come from the same breath of the Father. So whether, whether we're looking forward to our homecoming or our running away, that depends on how that fire is going to affect you.
2: So it's the same fire regardless. Same fire so you're regardless. saying your soul... Jesus. Will be
3: consumed by the fire if you've chosen to not believe or expand yourself?
1: No. I, I'm saying that when we each go back for our homecoming, and everybody has a homecoming, no matter what they believe or how they understand that to be, that the presence in the eternal, and, and let's just say for the sake of a description, the biblical description is fire— you're either going to want to go, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, deeper into the fire, deeper into the eternal, or you're going to run a, want, want to run away as fast as you can away from it. And that becomes, that becomes the suffering.
3: That eternal wailing and gnashing of teeth. Yeah.
1: It's, it's the absence of being—it's the inability through free will not to completely enter into the fire.
2: Because free will still exists after our Absolutely. physical form.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So when exorcisms are done and the exorcist commands in the name of Jesus Christ, that person, that entity, that demonic entity to make itself known, that entity, even though it exists in that that burning fire, because it's really the love of the Father, it's the complete love of the Father, but that's, that's constantly being rejected, rejected, rejected because of that entity's free will, that demonic entity is still obliged to be obedient to the eternal word because he cannot not go outside of the eternal word and that becomes an even greater suffering and pain if that makes sense
2: sort of yeah Yeah. so crazy have you ever seen the show supernatural
1: yes I, I, I could write those programs.
0: So, <laughs> so, so the professor and I are giant fanboys of Supernatural. I think it's the it, most it, embarrassing thing about us. I, what are you talking about? I love it. No, it's not. There's worse. Anyway,
2: moving on. <laughs> right. I, I like, how, like their take on it, and they're saying angelic. They're, just because of an angelic being doesn't mean it's good. That's right right just because it's demonic doesn't mean it's bad
1: so look at it this right. way it's relative to where they are in terms of the eternal, eternal fire. fire yeah
2: mm-hmm. i never had i've never had that explained like that to me mm-hmm. so it's a realization of the free will always continues mm-hmm. even after death and the the decision after our physical life is still there for you to take to either be in the eternal hellfire or ex- so run they, to the so light whatever even in the yeah.
3: end they'll flee from the face of God and suffer of their own volition rather than just accepting oh this is real and running toward it
1: Yeah, I guess a- a- every person would see that differently you can't you have like a universal kind of response to that
3: sure well that's why I said I've talked to many friends and I said look I hold my faith I know what I believe I don't necessarily believe a- I don't want to say I don't believe of all of, canon, all of canon, but I think a lot has been repressed and put away in things. And I said, look, in the end, we're, I'm going to find out. And so are you. That's right. We're
0: all going right. to know. That's right. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on black holes?
1: Black holes? I think we're about ready to enter into one very shortly. Expand. Uh, it's, it's what is described in the book of Revelation, where the the sun goes dark and the moon turns red. Um, it has to do, again, I don't know enough about quantum physics and the way that heavenly bodies move through the universe, but we're coming to this, I believe the center part of the Milky Way. And when we transition from the negative side to the positive side, so you have north pole, south pole, positive, negative, when we go to the positive side for a moment of three days, the sun actually will actually not be producing light, but sucking in light when it goes through that transition and we're about ready to enter into that process and those who are operating at a frequency that is um, let's say compatible with eternal fire will go to the other side those who won't will remain in the lower frequencies if you have a keyboard of 88 keys and middle c is like that's that turning point there are going to be some who are going to get stuck on the lower keys, and some that are going to move into the higher keys because they're ready. It, what we so would what you're the, describing is a rapture, the ascension process. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your time frame when
0: this? You said soon. I
1: within the next ten years for sure.
0: Is there a certain astrological mapping or something that you're following that's so, so, letting you believe so, that time frame? So
1: this is where you're going to get frustrated because the dreams that I've had, the dreams are now sequencing in what I had seen from before to what I'm seeing happen at, at, at the present time so it's getting closer based on on the visions and dreams and things that i've seen so it's more of an intuitive thing than it is something data based or data driven like a direction yes mm. but i do understand like when quantum physics and and people in science talk about that transition the pictures come forward and, and their words match my pictures and they're coming closer and closer interesting right yeah well that's a belief that i hold
0: too that i think the science is just proving what is Yeah, if you're
1: doing good theology, you're gonna be doing good science because they're a reflection, they're seeing the same eternal truth. Mm. Wow. Interesting. This is so much fun.
2: Now, so are you with revelation, are we your belief, is it going to be a physical revelation? I'd say that I believe our rapture or our enlightenment or is all on a spiritual level. Right, I think physically we will continue on as we go.
1: Yeah, we'll continue on, but we'll continue on in a physical Physical way way. to match the frequency. Right, and that's
2: yeah, I'm agreeing. I agree. Okay, so it's so not necessarily like physically fire and brimstone, but spiritually fire and brimstone on.
3: So you think when John wrote Revelation, there were a bunch of metaphors? No, absolutely
1: not. Okay, because
2: a lot of people,
3: I
1: think,
2: I don't need like a twelve-headed monster.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, up, there's there's a lot of symbolism. If you think, you know, of a person who's seeing, you know, and John was not a quantum physicist, so he's only <laughs> able to kind of describe what he sees in terms of visions and forms in his 3D world. In his 3D world and using the language that he had then to be able to describe what he saw. Had he lived now, he probably would have been able to write a dissertation that was like volumes long because he would have data access that he didn't have data access to before. That's why the more data I learn, the more it, it, it becomes embellished and it becomes more real. You know it's sort of like someone sculpting something out of a piece of marble all of a sudden. So why in such
0: a depressed moment <coughs> in time in history? So that's another thing. You said you mentioned that you believed that there was multiple advanced civilizations and there were an iteration of one of those. Why did Jesus just choose to come back in, in a time frame when we were in basically a technological dark age? That,
1: that's a really good question. I've asked myself that a lot.
0: That would seem counterintuitive.
1: Yeah, it would if if you understood what what preceded, and actually what we haven't been told about the the civilizations that existed before Jesus came on the scene. Because it, there, he entered in probably one of the darkest periods like we still live in. And the more that we come into the light, the more we're able to the big, understand and see the bigger picture. So I, I don't know that... Maybe that I, was
2: I the imagine. goal is to have enough physical time for us to be able to see the bigger picture Mm -hmm. to get to a point where he came at a time where maybe right then and there wasn't the good time but us being able to have this conversation later is
1: and some of it has to do with just like playing baseball until all the players are on the field you can't play ball and so all the players aren't yet on the field Sometimes
0: all the pieces just have to come together. That's right. And the timing's just got to be right. That's right. Yeah, that's a thing, isn't it? Even though time doesn't exist. Interesting. (laughs) Interesting. Well, Father Mark, you said that you had an appointment at 4 o'clock?
1: Yeah. Yeah
0: coming up so yeah we're getting yeah, pretty no. close to that time frame so okay. i'll tell you what why don't we go ahead and wrap up our podcast for today great and uh i really enjoyed our time together sure, you to i wish we had more what sure. a thought experiment today has been i really enjoyed this a lot well thank you i uh i enjoyed wow. your views thank you for sharing them with us um hopefully we stayed respectful oh yeah and, and everything we had a great time uh, uh, I know come our back listeners. With harder questions next time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we we definitely need to. Do, well, we're gonna have more of this because I want to get a little bit more into the details of you know, uh, especially when you were started talking about extraterrestrials or interdimensional beings and things like that. Uh, I want to get more yeah. into the nitty and gritty of like what is what has been your experiences with those things and how do you. Um, how do you materialize them or how do you rationalize them from a scientific standpoint? Like, so I think that we did a nice flyover of like what father Mark believes in, but we definitely need to revisit this and go deep into the, the, the weeds and figure it out. Cause I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, well, thank you. Thanks. Yeah, for It was
2: this. definitely very enlightening and enjoyable.
0: Well, we'll get it scheduled. So we're going to go ahead and introduce our sponsors and we'll get it wrapped up good. and then uh, we'll be done with this. So, Thank you guys for following us. If you're still listening, make sure you go ahead and click subscribe and then hit that notification bell so you don't miss future episodes. We will be dropping them weekly on the podcast we thank a big thank you to our sponsors Malevolent Art Studio out of Barnhart, Missouri that is Anthony Ferguson out there at Malevolent Art he is a fantastic guy to work with please go down to his studio and check him out he has got a great studio full of artists uh, excellent work and pieces to choose from they'll co- they'll do custom creations for you they also do piercings and so Anthony has been a piercing artist for many years That's something we have not talked about yet um, but he has uh, really became faced famous in the area as being a one of the best piercers in the area before he became a tattoo artist. So that was really cool. So go make sure you go to the description, look for Malevolent Art down there. You will see a link. If you click on that link and let them know that you are coming from the Stone Dapes podcast, you will get uh was it 20% off of any booked tattoo? So that's a really good deal. Our next sponsor is Elliot Growth, and he has e Growth Productions, which is an audio video company. He has been doing a lot of work for us here lately. Lately. um we have our Instagram page up and he is putting photos out for there he's the one that did the photos for the four brothers Uh, And you can see pictures on that on social media, on Facebook, and then we also have that on Instagram. Uh, So his work is absolutely fantastic. If you go to the description and you message him, he's going to give you 10% off any book service through the production company. But Elliot is such a talented man. He also owns his own tattoo studio called Gateway Tattoos. They're out of Arnold, Missouri. Elliot is an appointment-only artist. He specializes in black and gray and realism work. If you have a piece that's in that genre and you would like him to take a look at it, why don't you shoot him over an email, mention to him that you're coming from the Stoned Apes, and he's going to give you $50 off any half day booked appointment, which is an excellent deal. And you'll be getting a top quality piece of art from that man. So we stand by him. But thank you guys. This has been another excellent episode. We appreciate everyone out there. And for this episode, the Stoned Apes are out.